Liz Tahuraf, it's Wednesday morning. We get to connect. I love How's it. How's it going, Jay? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Uh, it's going well. I mean, we could dive deep on how it's not going well, but <laughs> let's let's dive deep on how what is going well and what we can learn from the Liz Tahura Masterclass every Wednesday morning. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, well, as you know, we have officially launched our retail sales tracking data into Canada. So very exciting there, starting with Alberta and British Columbia. Um, so I thought we'd just take a, a little bit of a tour uh, within edibles and chat about a couple of things that we're seeing that is very interesting within the edibles market. All right. So as uh, you're well aware, and as we have chatted probably multiple times here, uh, you know, we are looking at hitting a $6 billion, and that is, by the way, $6 billion U.S., not Canadian. Uh, so it's like, it's like $100 billion Canadian. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Depends Canadian on joke. the year, right? right. <laughs> uh, by 2025. Uh, so pretty excited about that. You know, within the adult use market or the recreational market, that's about $2 billion uh, forecasted this year uh, and about just about $6 billion by 2025, specifically coming out of that adult use market. And how do we get there? Uh, well, as we know, the consumer base in Canada continues to grow, continues to be strong. Uh, province by province, up in the high 30s uh, by the end of uh, Q2 in, um, in Canada. And um, actually a little bit of a plug here, Jay, we are in the field with our Q3 consumer research wave. So very excited to have some further updated numbers looking at the back half of the year in terms of consumer sizing, consumer preference, uh, will be really exciting to see how things are shifting with 2.0 and of course the uh, the trailing impacts of the uh, the COVID and frankly the the general macro world stage uh, what we have going on here so uh, stay tuned for more information there I'm uh, but as you know as we've discussed and just as a quick reminder for you uh, about 67 percent of adults in Canada in general of legal consumption age are either cannabis consumers or open to consuming. Uh, so a really solid consumer base to grow from. And uh, so, you know, more than three quarters uh, of Canadian consumers report that they use cannabis for recreational or social benefits. Uh, so really, when we think about those benefits, um, and also uh, almost half consume for health and medical purposes, of course, as well, a decent amount of overlap between the two as we've, we've dove in and, and prior sessions. Um, but just a quick reminder on those primary reasons for consumption, you know, those three top three for Canada, relax and be mellow, number one, sleep better, number two, and the all important um, and my personal favorite to have fun coming in there at number three. Um, and really interesting to see how edibles can fit into that overall environment and that overall context. Uh, so over half of Canadian consumers do report consuming edibles in the past six months. Uh, a little less than a third of Canadian consumers state that edibles are their preferred method of consumption. Um, that is growing in 2020, uh, over 2019. And again, we expect to see uh, some interesting trends happening in the second half of 2020, as mentioned, you know, really looking forward to seeing where where those consumption rates go and those preference rates go um, as consumers have more time to settle in and be exposed to the cannabis 2.0 products within the legal market. 
A quick reminder that our Consumer Insights does track all cannabis consumption, regardless of source of cannabis consumption, or excuse me, a source of purchase. So a really interesting layer within the retail sales tracking, which of course is very much focused on the legal market, um, the adult use legal market, in fact, to be specific, to then overlay that with those overall consumer preferences and consumer consumption rates um, that track across all, um, all ways of obtaining uh, those products. So, so kind of an interesting, we'll dive into a couple, I think are some really important or really interesting points um, in a little bit. You know, compared to the US, and we talk a lot about comparing US and Canada, uh, but compared to the US level one states, so as a reminder, those are the fully legal, both adult use and medical program states, the closest comparison uh, to the Canadian market as it's federally legal. Um, but when we talk about edible consumption in the US, uh, over 70% of US consumers state that they've consumed edibles in the past six months. So there's a little bit of room for growth in terms of overall consumption rate with Canada versus the US. But what's really interesting is the preference is about the same. Uh, so it's a couple points higher in the US, but still right around a third of US consumers state that edibles are their preferred method of consumption. Um, of course, as we know, and as we've dug in, um, I think a few, uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was about over a month ago at this point, Jay, uh, there is so much cross-consumption. Uh, so that, that myth of consumers being either an edibles consumer or an inhalables consumer um, or a vape consumer is just simply not the case. There's tons of cross-consumption and um, a lot of uh, using different products and different form, form factors to reach different results um, and within different occasions and need states. So when we think about ed edibles specifically, uh, and this is probably not going to be a surprise to you because you've heard me talk about the gummy category quite a bit uh, over the past few months, but in both geographies, so both in Canada and those US level one states, gummies are the top most preferred and most consumed uh, product within the edibles consumer or consumer. So amongst those edible formats. In the US, about 60% of edibles consumers say that uh, they've consumed gummies. Wow. And in Canada, it's a little bit lower, uh, but still above half of, or of uh, edibles consumers say that gummies are the format or one of the formats that they have tried. Um, in both markets, again, probably not a huge surprise, but, but good to, to see this play out in the data. Uh, gummies are the most preferred edible form, uh, product form. Um, and that is, of course, both in Canada and the US, which could be surprising as you think about the, uh, the availability of such products. And we'll jump into what that means in terms of retail sales here in just a second. Um, one other kind of interesting tidbit from a preference standpoint. Um, and again, this is when we're talking about consumption across all means of obtaining the product. Uh, baked goods actually come in as the second most preferred edibles format in both the US and in Canada, uh, or in Canada. So about 18% uh, a little less than 20% in both US and Canadian consumers, edibles consumers, say that edibles are, or excuse me, baked goods are their preferred edibles. That's something. It's a pretty interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, and also worth pointing out that while inhalables certainly do beat out edibles, um, both in preference and in consumption, uh, we are seeing so far in 2020, will be very interesting to see the Q3 numbers come in. Uh, but we're seeing both edibles and the very much smaller topicals category staying relatively steady in terms of consumption uh, percentage and preference percentage. 
So how does that translate to sales? Uh, well, when we're thinking about Alberta specifically, you know, the ingestible category, uh, which by the BDSA does definition ingestibles includes both what we call edibles, so the things that you eat and digest, and also sublinguals, uh, so those that are um, you know, oils or the drops, uh, dissolving strips. Uh, but when you combine those together, about 9% of sales coming through the private sector, uh, licensed or, or legal channel in Alberta, coming from that ingestibles category overall. Uh, in Alberta, chocolates are still the best selling category. Um, even if you look at August, which is the most recent month for which we have data um, until the next couple of weeks here, um, we are seeing still chocolate in, in, um, in Alberta, we are still seeing chocolate as that top category. Uh, but interestingly enough, candies, which is primarily gummies, is gaining fast on the chocolate category. Uh, so candy is about six point behind chocolates in terms of share by the time you get to, uh, to August. And uh, beverages are pretty close behind candy at about 20% of the total edibles category. Hmm. Um, interesting when we're talking about beverages. So the beverages, um, and this is actually the same in BC as well, which we'll talk a little bit more about BC here in a second. Um, but beverages are a much higher percentage of edible sales in Canada than they are in the US. So you hear us talking about the US edibles category. We're usually looking at candy comprising around 70%, changes a little bit market by market, but more or less of the edibles category um, and beverages somewhere around six to 7%. Uh, whereas, you know, both Alberta and BC, we're seeing beverages more in the 20% category. So certainly taking a bigger share of the SKUs that are sold within edibles. Uh, the normalizing or kind of equalizing factor there between the two markets is that edibles in general, ingestibles in general, still comprise a smaller share of overall sales. Um, so your vape and your pre-rolls and your flour comprise a higher percentage of sales in the Canadian markets than we're seeing currently in the U.S. markets. Um, so all things kind of equal out to, uh, to, to beverages still being about 1% to 2% of total market sales in both geographies. Um, so pretty interesting though to think about as edibles continue to gain steam and if they do follow the same trends that we've seen in other market and gain a larger share, uh, beverages are on track to keep pace to potentially outsell what we've seen in the US, uh, which is probably good news for, uh, for many of the, the beverage companies getting their startup in Canada. And um, as we see that, that great cross-border uh, sh shift of ideas on products, you know, some exciting news, of course, about some beverage companies, perhaps enabling the U.S. to, to experience what you Canadian um, consumers are lucky enough to experience within that beverage category. So some exciting things there. And we'll certainly be keeping a really close eye um, on tracking those individual SKUs and brands, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, and of course, shameless plug, uh, our clients can see the, the SKU level data um, and so we can actually dig in and see exactly which SKUs are, are driving those sales there. So juicy. That's a good tease. <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> uh, well, we're talking about BC. So thinking about um, the ingestibles category again, a little bit higher percentage of sales coming from that ingestibles category in BC. So, so up to about 12% share by the end of August. Um, and another really interesting different trend in BC, um, gummies have actually surpassed or candies have surpassed chocolates as the best selling category in BC. 
That happened around in June. Um, so chocolates did start off as the best selling category, but we did see uh, the gummies selling at a faster pace uh, and eventually overtake sales within, uh, the, within the BC category. So really interesting. Uh, Candy is about a third of the edibles category in BC by August. Um, and also uh, worth calling out that the top five best-selling edible SKUs in BC are all chooser gummies. I wonder, I wonder as, um, as the numbers sort of fluctuate the different percentage of the, the whole on the ingestible side, I, I mean, I wonder if that's a reflection of new things hitting the market. Like chocolates were, I think, almost first everywhere. Chews came second, then beverages like were more widely available. And it like, there was this almost staggered thing that producers were able to get on shelves and beverages actually being last. And so like, it'll be interesting to see as, as the year moves on and the calendar flips, how it normalizes and, and what sort of. Absolutely. And we're already starting to do some of that analysis, uh, you know, within, within our, our client base and some of our retail partners to start overlaying those product launch dates with the, the shares and, and really understand what that path to market looks like. And, um, and again, diving into the individual SKUs and product attributes to see what's really resonating with the consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, so certainly a lot more to come there as the, the data continues to accumulate and we get more and more history and more trends to, to build on these initial um, observations. Um, you know, another interesting, taking off of gummies for a minute, another interesting we'll call out, we talked about baked goods being the second most preferred product category for, uh, for consumption up in Canada, same in US. Um, and it's really interesting to see the difference between, again, consumption preference when you're talking about um, about all products and all availability, and then how that translates into the retail sales, um, especially the retail sales within the legal adult use market. So baked goods or infused foods are somewhere around 2% of retail sales in both BC and British Columbia. And we see a very similar uh, ratio in the US where baked goods are still a pretty small percentage of overall sales. Um, and it really helps to illustrate that difference of you know, or uh, illustrate the point that all cannabis products don't necessarily come straight out of the prepackaged legal market. Right. Um, and we do still see a lot of interest in home-baked cannabis consumption, um, which when you're purchasing the, the raw materials or the raw, raw um, ingredients through a licensed retailer is still perfectly legal. Um, but we do see, um, it's an interesting opportunity or a little bit of a gap there, really connecting with that home cook, the cook who wants to, to bake their own products. Um, and we've talked to a few companies in the U.S. about, you know, really identifying and understanding that niche in the market and, and where there is some opportunity there to bridge the gap between a fully packaged product um, and that sort of DIY um, yeah. aspect that, that plenty of cannabis consumers do still enjoy, clearly. Yeah. There's a, there's a company, I was just in the shop that has a, it's like a little green packet. They'll know, everybody who's in Canada is going to know what it is, but it has a little green packet you can infuse food with. And like in store, they have these sort of tear sheets that sort of give you ideas. But I also think it would be great. I mean, I would love to get one milligram chocolate chips that you could actually, you know, get 10 in a pack and like now you're making cookies and, you know, spray, well, or just eating the whole thing. But like, it would be an interesting sort of niche to sort of uncover the sort of DIY home chef. 
Yeah, just yet another consumer segment. And then again, as we always like to talk about opportunity, um, yet another opportunity. Now that's not to say, of course, that there aren't very successful packaged goods or packaged baked goods companies. We certainly do see in some, especially in the US markets, um, see those baked goods can um, on an individual brand and or individual SKU basis come up and be you know, best-selling products. Just so that the category as a whole remains pretty small and certainly a smaller percentage than when you're looking at that consumer insights data and seeing, you know, it's the second most preferred edible format. Um, so again, clearly, clearly showing that that little bit of white space opportunity there. Uh, one other um, interesting sort of consideration that we were that we were talking about, uh, I believe a couple weeks ago, Jay, uh, is the speaking of the, the gaps between the uh, legal and the illicit market or, or uh, packaged and, and other methods of obtaining cannabis is the THC limitations, uh, which of course are much more stringent in Canada than they are in most of the US markets uh, and certainly could be conceived to be a barrier uh, for legal sales um, in edibles. And I know, I believe, um, I was first made aware of it by, by you, uh, the, the very interesting article in the, what was the publication it was in? I don't recall. Uh, about the, uh, the, the best-selling edibles um, in Toronto, where we're seeing some, uh, you know, some gray market and some illicit market products being set and compared side by side to- Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was in Toronto Life. Yeah, yeah. Toronto Life. Yes, there we go. 150 um, milligram cotton candy. Absolutely. So, so an interesting and a valid question as to, you know, does that THC limitation, uh, does that create a competitive advantage for the illicit market? Um, and while, of course, clearly for some consumers, that could be a limitation, I think some good news uh, for the legal market is that our data show that um, in Canada specifically, almost half of Canadian consumers prefer ingestibles or state that they prefer ingestibles containing 10 milligrams of, C, of THC or less. And another 20% or more uh, don't actually know how much THC they prefer. Uh, so it is a relatively smaller percentage of the overall consumer market uh, that, you know, that, that at least from a preference standpoint states that they're looking for that higher THC. Uh, it is a little different than the U.S., which again might show some of the difference um, in, or the influence of those regulations on consumer preference. Because in the U.S., uh, not a huge, huge difference, but still about 39% of U.S. consumers state that they prefer uh, 10 milligrams or less as their sort of um, preferred dosage. Um, so definitely seeing some influence on the regulations there within uh, within the consumer preference. Uh, interestingly enough, about the same percent, about 20% say that they don't know uh, what their preference is. So those are going to be your, your newer consumers. Yeah, the, the ones that say that have only had 10 milligrams or less. Right, it, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> or they've had those infamous baked goods, as we were talking about, where it's much harder to, uh, to be able to, to measure exactly how many milligrams you've had. Yeah, but it is interesting sort of thinking about the market research and the sort of retail sales tracking and looking at those gaps as uh, interesting, of course, but also opportunities to sort of say, look, there's this space between people who like to, you know, home baking basically, and what we were selling on the legal market, right? Like there's just this, there's a big gap there. Similarly in gummies, right? Like I, you know, I look at that and beverages have a bigger stake here than they do in the States, but really 
I'm not sure we're at full capacity on gummy production or gummy of variety or some of the delicious flavors and profiles you've been talking about sort of in Colorado and other places. Like, I just think, I don't mean to end every conversation like this, but it seems like there's these, there are these gaps that are just waiting for investment that consumers actually want. And, and I, and most of those things are ahead of us. And I think that's exciting. Absolutely. And that's, as you well know, what we absolutely love digging in with our, with our clients to, to help uncover those opportunities and, um, help with that strategic planning for, for figuring out not only what the opportunities are, but how to bring them into market. Yeah. Well, I like the elimination of the uncertainty. I think that, that's, that would be great, uh, not only in cannabis and cannabis products and consumer preference, yes, but also in life right now. It'd be great if it was as easy as one slide. You know, I, we, we can do what we can do. I wish we could eliminate uncertainty on some of these macroeconomic <laughs> or, or political situations. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're relatively well focused on the cannabis space. We can certainly help you there. Uh, but as far as what's what's happening in the U.S. or in Canada or in the, in the world, uh, certainly remains to be seen, doesn't it? Remains to be seen. Liz, thank you as always. This is always, I mean, I mean this, the master class on how to think about these things. And so thank you for your time. Thank you for your partnership. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Great. Thanks so much, Jay. Thanks, Liz. <laughs>